Hi, everyone. We're back for part two with Joanna Quintanilla to talk about supercharging your approach to journey mapping. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I encourage you to go back. In that part, we talked about the case for why you should supplement your journey mapping efforts with these other tools and methodologies. And we shared some examples of convergent thinking, and we described what convergent and divergent thinking are. This week, we're going to talk about how to enable divergent thinking so that you can not just focus on honing in on finding and fixing problems and solutions to those problems, but also really broaden your scope. And we've got, we'll talk about methods and examples with Joanna in this episode that will help you with divergent thinking. Hi, Joanna. Hi. I'm going to follow my curiosity here, Joanna, and ask you about one of the techniques you have on the list of divergent thinking tools. You can probably already guess which one I'm going to ask about. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this before. Deep hanging out yeah. is, is a tool for divergent thinking. Yeah. What is deep hanging out? Well, besides the fact that it's just a really, really cool name, essentially it's like, you know, you are becoming one with your research subject. So if you imagine, for instance, going into a company and wanting to kind of help that company to become more entrepreneurial, let's say, for instance, it would require you to go in and to sort of spend a lot of time with those employees, for instance, Mm -hmm. attending their meetings, going to the meetings with their boss, with their peers. So really, really deep hanging out, almost it's like shadowing to an extreme, if you like, participating in all of the different things that they do and observing in a very non-intrusive way so that you can pick up on behaviors, but especially all so automatic behaviors, compensatory behaviors, things that people are doing and they're not even aware of, which right. you can only really capture when you're deeply hanging out with them. Think anthropologists there, right? Yeah. I mean, they're embedding with the society or the, the group that they're studying for weeks, months, years. Maybe that's even deeper than we mean here, but for a longer right. period of time than you would Yeah, but it's not just ethnographic research because you are present. You are not just being a fly on the wall. It's also contextual inquiry and just for an extended period of time, too. You are, as the observer, able to pick up on things that the subject can't tell you about because, as you said, Joanna, it's something that they have figured out how to do in the context. It's emerged out of a need or a workaround that they figured out, not something that they can probably consciously recount So it is something that you'd have to observe them in the moment and realize, oh, wow, that's a deviation from the actual process or their training that they know to do, but that they don't even know that they know to do. Exactly. There was a great example. It's a short one, so I'll share it with you because I think it sort of illustrates that point that you just made. The company that I was speaking to, they'd done some research with technicians and how they were using their vans when they were going out for service visits to customers. And by observing them and spending time with them in their vans, they actually realized that they had created all of these workarounds like in the vans kind of transforming the vans into their workplace but Mm. sometimes using like bathroom fixtures and using like all these gadgets if you like to transform it into a true working place that if they hadn't hung out with them in the vans and sort of like gone along with them they would have never picked up on things like that. Joanna, is there anyone who, in your research, you thought did a really particularly good job of stepping outside of all of these methods and stepping back to the beginning point where you're sort of pointing to that that is really going through those three questions and how to pick the right approach in your report? 
what type of problem are you trying to solve? What is your time frame? You know, who's involved in the problem or solution? Okay. Was there anyone that you said, wow, I'm really impressed with how rigorous they are in asking themselves these questions before they dive into a method? Did anyone stand out that way in your research? Marks and Spencer. There's sort of three key questions that can help you decide the type of thinking you need to do and which tools you need to use. And it starts, of course, with what type of problem are you trying to solve? Now, for them, they were really clear on what the type of problem was. They knew this is for Marks and Spencer food, right? So they're what that sell sandwiches and drinks. And one of the main problems that they have is that they have very long queues at lunchtime. And as soon as customers see these queues, they don't even want to go into the store and buy the food, right? So they were trying to solve for that problem. So they had a really clear idea of what is that problem. They started with a little bit of divergent thinking, spending time in stores, observing, right? Um, customers going in, deciding whether to go in or not once they were there. Like, what's too much time when the customers start getting frustrated or kind of um, right. annoyed at, at how long they're waiting? So they did a little bit of divergent thinking in order to do that. But they realized as well, sort of answering the second question, like in terms of what is your time frame? They knew that they wanted to use technology to to try and solve for this problem, but they knew that they needed to create a pilot quite quickly in order to test some ideas. So they did some ethnographic research, tried to understand the mindset and the problem, then started to converge to a possible solution, which was to create an app that helped customers pay for their food without having to go to the till in order to reduce queues. But then they knew that they needed to converge in quite a short period of time in order to just test whether this was even feasible or not. So they had an eight-week period that they wanted to test this. So a very very effective use of more convergent thinking in order to get from idea to solution and to be able to take it back into the stores and again with a bit of ethnography test it a little bit more divergent thinking test not just does this work from a technology point of view like yes we can build the app and we can make it work but does this actually work for customers it was a really effective way of going back and diverging a little bit again in order to see the value of the experiment and then observing customers one of the things that they took away from that was actually the app was great. It allowed people to pay for their, you know, their sandwich and their drink very quickly and leave the store again. But most people that did that felt like they were shoplifting because they hadn't been to the till and they hadn't actually like had an exchange with an employee. So they had to kind of do a little bit of divergent thinking again to call for that more human element of the experience to make sure that they were actually driving towards adoption of the app because otherwise you have a great app that's beautiful from a technology point of view. Nobody's using it because somehow it doesn't quite fit how people behave and the yeah. human element of that. And because it required technology change, they had to ask themselves, what parts of the ecosystem do we need to actually figure out from a technology point of view? Where does it need to link into other data or to other systems within the organization? And again, there you have tools that can be really useful to get into deeper layers of your own organization to understand, like, how do we need to change legacy systems? How does this actually impact how people work together or processes? It's a great example because they actually achieved it in quite a short space of time, it kind of shows you the combination of divergent and convergent thinking they needed to do. And it did require quite a lot of sort of infrastructure change as well, which meant that they did, they used the tools to also understand what are the capabilities we need to build, how do we need to change processes and how people are working together. So I think that's an example that stands out in terms of once you start to use these tools and the two different types of thinking in the appropriate ways, it starts to kind of work like a well-oiled machine, which is great. And you get to a really good result for the customer and for the company. And Marks and Spencer, correct any of this, uh, Joanna, from the American host here, but think of it as sort of a classic UK department store chain, but with a lot of prepared foods as well. And what strikes me about that is how, while they were being 
really rigorous about thinking about those questions you laid out in the report, they were still honing in on a very specific use case, very specific customer base within hopefully a larger set of potential interactions they could have with those same customers. But like, let's meet their needs for fast in and out at lunch here rather than, you know, trying to get to everything with that set of customers, right? I think that's a really nice example of focus. So you're absolutely right. Marks and Spencer is a department store, but they have a lot of supermarkets and of course, sort of uh, smaller supermarkets that are very much catered towards Mm -hmm. lunchtime and people making sort of purchases at lunchtime, right? Trying to buy their lunch. And so they focused also on a particular part of their business because this is something that for their department store where people are buying a wider variety of products might be too complicated. But for their food stores, where that sort of urgency of wanting to go in and wanting to leave quickly created a very different type of problem that they were trying to solve for, I think is what also made this an effective tool and an effective project for them. Great. Well, thank you, Joanna, for sitting down with us for another episode and talking about divergent thinking, some really useful concepts there and examples. Listeners, we've posted links to Joanna's research in the show notes, and we'll talk to you all on next week's CXCast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.